You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Our topic for today is how do you turn customers into community members? Sort of at a high abstract level, can you just give our listeners a window into why this is something that's important to you? Okay, it's interesting that you say how to turn customers into community members because we actually lead with community. And so we try to turn community our community into customers. So we say that we have an inclusive community of travelers ages 21 to 35, and we try to uh, create an inclusive community so you it's not exclusive, meaning first of all, okay, first of all, with that expression started because under 30 experiences sounds very exclusive, and we're like, no, if, you're, if you wanna come on one of our trips or you wanna come to one of our meetups and you're cool, just come, don't worry about it, leave, leave all that at the door. So that's why we started saying that, but really uh, we wanted to, to create a place where people could come get to know each other within the community and then if they want to make a commitment of anywhere between $645 to, I don't know, $3,500 to come on a trip with us somewhere, we've already broken down the barriers because they've come out to a happy hour or to a hike or to a kickball game or uh, gone kayaking in their local city. So we really lead with community first and make that the most important thing is that everybody feels welcome, everybody feels cool. So if you make a major investment to travel somewhere abroad with us, then you probably know what you're getting yourself into. And then, yeah, you can be a, a customer, which we don't actually call them customers. We just call them travelers. And I like that a lot and, and sort of I think we're already getting a window into how you think about this stuff. So let's sort of like dial it all the way back, take it back to the OG days and maybe we can see how this mindset came about in the first place. So you grow up on the East Coast, like New Jersey area, am I right? Uh, New York, but New York. you. Oh, cra oh, crap. That's a huge mistake to say a New Yorker grew up in New Jersey. <laughs> all right, but, but, it, but it wasn't like New York City, right? No, it was upstate about an hour. Okay. Yeah, upstate. That's a whole different uh, people from New York City. It's a lot so different than upstaters. Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> um, you attend John Jay High School, which I'm just going to assume is named after one of the authors of the Federalist Papers, a little U.S. history reference for everyone there. <laughs> that, that is correct. First, uh, first Supreme Court Justice of the United States of America. I like how you said that as if you're like on the witness stand. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> um, so growing up, you know, you're going to a high school there. What's your what's your environment like? Um, is it something where you're interacting with people from all different walks of life? Or is it something where you're seeing the same type of person every day? Honestly, I thought it was pretty gangster. But when I asked my friends this the other day when I went home, uh, they were like, no, we live in the sticks and not in the hood. And so I thought it was a lot more tough environment, maybe because I was just a, uh, you know, angry 15 year old and saw kids getting arrested. It was probably for stupid stuff, selling weed across the street at Dunkin Donuts or, or whatever. But I thought it was a pretty diverse place. But honestly, when it came down to it, it was, uh, this is John Jay East Fishkill, if we have any New Yorkers out there. And it's a high school surrounded by IBM. So literally IBM has this massive campus upstate and our uh, high school which was a very big high school I think what I graduated with 
500 kids. We probably started with 700 kids. Just that right there alone says it was probably a fairly diverse place. Uh, Wait, so you started with 700 but graduated with 500. Did I don't you lose know. 200 in the process? I, I think we did. I think we did. It just didn't see. It was a big public high school. And so I thought I was exposed to a lot of different people. But probably at the end of the day, it was probably pretty white and pretty middle class. Um, you know, this is not Westchester. This is more like Poughkeepsie, but not city of Poughkeepsie, uh, if that makes any sense to anybody who knows anything about the <laughs> tri-state area. <laughs> is there a particular, I guess, like lesson you learned growing up that sticks with you today? Uh, how to mow lawns, how to do landscaping. That was, that was my uh, grind while I was in high school. Actually, probably started in about sixth grade. That's pretty cool. So that's like your, I guess that's like entrepreneurship step one for you, right? For sure. I mean, that might have been, that was actually after selling golf balls on eBay that I picked out of a local, uh, a local golf course. That makes me sound pretty white, I guess. <laughs> uh, kid with internet access in 1995 and a golf course somewhere near his house. Um, other than that, the, the lemonade stand, I definitely had lemonade stands. Now we're going back to like kindergarten. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was probably the big, uh, the big one was, was landscaping. Okay, so you go to college at Bryant University. If I recall from your previous times on the show, there was like this triumvirate of either Bryant, Babson, or Bentley, wasn't it right? The three yeah, Bs. The, the three Bs of business in the Northeast. That also sounds pretty white. <laughs> that was um, that was a lot different from my high school. This was much more upper upper middle class kids, and everybody seemed the same. And I. I really enjoyed it at the time, but then once I became a traveler, I was like, well, that was the stuffiest place on the face of the planet. <laughs> well, while you're at Bryant, you have an experience as a CEO, and what I mean by that is the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization. I, I'm going to guess, you're president of it, you probably founded it for the, or the, the chapter for the school as well, maybe. Yes, um, that is also correct. <laughs> As um, president of Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization, like what were you doing and, and what, like what, how did you step into entrepreneurship while, while doing this? All right. So I come from New York to Puritan, New England, and I am, I think I'm a hustler and I show up and uh, I want to start a business there on campus and I realize that, uh, I realized that everybody there is on the fast track to corporate America, and Jack Welch comes and speaks at Bryant, uh, world like famous. Like the Jack Welch. The Jack Welch, Welch world famous uh, CEO of General Electric, or former CEO of General Electric, probably at that point. And he touches on entrepreneurship like four or five times during his talk, and I get up there as an 18-year-old freshman, and I'm like, tap the mic, I'm like, uh, hi, uh, Mr. Welch. I just had a quick question here uh, representing the freshman class of uh, 2004. <laughs> and I asked him, like, what do you think about Bryant having an entrepreneurship major? Because I already was not feeling like I was going to fit in at this place. And the president of the university was sitting next to him having a fireside chat. This guy was a former congressman. And he rolled his eyes. And he was like, 
basically it was like, well, you should have gone to Babson because this is a corporate finance and accounting school. Uh, he didn't say that, but that was the sentiment. That's what the campus. eye roll indicated. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, pretty much w without any help from the faculty or staff, we decided, myself and like five other people in the room, decided, well, let's start a chapter of the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization and see where it goes. And we ended up uh, bringing national accolades to the school. Uh, through the CEO chapter, winning best chapter in the country, two years in a row, we ended up in like the Boston Globe, and then the same guy who was rolling his eyes, President Makeley, was uh, messaging me from his BlackBerry uh, to tell us congratulations. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Um, you kind of, I guess with that, I, I don't think you really ever stepped into quote-unquote corporate America, because after Bryant, you then have a stint with Zarly, and I don't think Zarly exists anymore, but at the time, Zarly was one of the new Silicon Valley startups, which was essentially like a task rabbit, which I do think still exists. So you can like hire like a runner to get your groceries, you know, get something from Home Depot. I told you before we started recording that I actually was in USA Today randomly because I ordered off of Zarly and the reporter showed up with the runner who wanted to ask why I was using Zarly. But, but what, what, what did you do with Zarly? So with, uh, so with Zarly, this is, this is unfortunate. The cable guys here in Costa Rica have just shown up. Oh, um, no. But uh, yeah, so basically with Zarly, uh, I was asked to help launch the brand in the United, in the United States. Um, uh, sorry, in New York. I got a, a bit distracted there for a second, but I was asked to uh, launch a brand in New York. It was a startup weekend company uh, started by Ashton Kutcher and founded by uh, some Eric really... Eric Koster was the... Uh, was yep, the that, that was one of the co-founders um, put in to a, <clears throat> a lot of money, put into some really, really big vendors, uh, really, really big vendors, really big venture capitalists and uh, it was a it was a cool opportunity but after raising 12 million dollars and having Meg Whitman be the founder uh, or the chairman of the board well it didn't work at the end of the day mm. well and and I, I guess I kind of like uh, chopped up the timeline a little bit because Zarly actually was step two for you ish um, while you're actually still at Bryant you co-found Under 30 CEO with Jared O'Toole, who's your also your co-founder for Under 30 Experiences, right? Uh, yes. So Under 30 CEO actually came first. We started that in 2008, 2009. And um, that was our, our big way to grow our credibility and make sure that people, uh, people found out who we were. We were learning how to use the, the tools up there. Uh, Twitter, right? That was the birth of Twitter. We were learning how to get people to our blog for the first time ever. We were learning how to build a personal brand for the first time ever. So, uh, yeah, that was that was what we were starting to do with Under 30 CEO, and we grew a really nice audience of people. Well, and at under30ceo.com, it really was like a media site, right, where people could come and learn essentially different tactical advice, uh, mindset advice around being an entrepreneur, ultimately being a CEO um, for the specifically under 30 crowd. 
you're doing this while you're still in college, essentially learning entrepreneurship. Did you have any like, who the hell are we to be talking about this stuff moments? I mean, of course, but we were also 22-year-olds and didn't want to get a real job. Uh, <laughs> and it was more about community. So this, I think, is why you went back as far as you did is because we said there have to be so many other people out there right now that we just had one of the worst economic crises known to man. People are losing their jobs. People are not getting jobs. There have to be a lot of other people out there trying to figure out how to start businesses. So that was that was the key. And so it was more about building community. To launch that blog, we said, all right, well, uh, there are not a lot of personal development uh, bloggers out there at the moment. And... You know, there are not a lot of entrepreneurship bloggers out there at the moment, especially targeted at young people. And so we reached out to probably the top 10 or 15 young professional bloggers. That's all there really were at that time who had any type of notable following. And we said, hey, do you guys want to be part of a community? Would you like to write for our site? And we kind of started the first super blog, if you will. And that was able to uh, get us some nice traction because we used... We use their, their writing, their articles, and so it wasn't always us building uh, or, or giving advice per se. We were bringing good people together who were building businesses for uh, an environment, a community in which people could learn. Well, and the popularity got pretty big, right? Like you were at a point, I, I want to say, where you were getting hundreds of thousands of page views. I mean, Definitely every month, but perhaps even more more frequently than that. Sure, right? sure. Unique visitors, as they used to be called, or, or <laughs> users. Uh, we had at our peak, and we're talking now about 2011 was our peak before we started with under 30 experiences. But we had a half a million users per month, and we're talking about that. That's two million page views per month. So yeah, that's well really read. and. You know, what strikes me about this as you talk about how do you how do you treat even this as a community is you didn't try to do everything yourself. You looked to other people who were smart, perhaps smarter than you in certain areas, who had expertise in certain areas, and you invited them to be part of what you were building. Now, that to me, that's something I'm personally working on right now as I work to grow my um, business. But on top of that... I think it's something that if you look at the larger startup ecosystem, I think everyone is so, not everyone, a lot of people are in this mindset of trying to like protect every element that they're doing and, oh, we can't sure. share this with people, we can't share that. So can you just kind of talk through like how you were going about this um, and, and sort of just in a way that you were, you had it as open format to get people to come to your platform? Yeah, I mean... People could reach out to us if they were reading, if they were all of a sudden on Twitter sat searching hashtag entrepreneur. Like that used to actually be a very viable strategy when these tools were young, um, you know, before everybody in the world were on there. And there, there weren't tons of people where there weren't tons of people out there online that knew these tools existed. And uh, so we were just a lot of individual reach outs. We would reach out to people who had blogs. Um, we would get to know them. And then we started, once our, our site had nice readership, right, after we had consistent writers who would maybe write once a week or once a month for the site, well, then we would 
get people together in local cities. I mean, we started, the day we started the site, we actually had a launch party, a place called Bar of Chicago, at the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization's conference uh, in, it must have been 2008. Uh, but this wasn't in Chicago, right? This was in Chicago. Oh, Things it was. got okay. a little bit crazy. Uh, and... But it was about building a community because that's what we came from at the university level. So we said, well, why doesn't something like this exist out there for smart, young, innovative, passionate people? Well, and, and as you're doing this, like you mentioned, this is on the heels of the financial collapse. Like, how are you making money through this process? Are you moving in with mom and dad? Like, what's going on? So, short answer, we were not. Uh, <laughs> short answer, we were not. But you also didn't raise, you didn't raise capital for this either. No. This was started with you know, $50 and a Twitter account. Um, I mean, our first website was outsourced to India for $500 on, I can't, uh, Elance probably. So, that's, that's all it took at this, at this point. Now, you could get that outsourced. Somebody could come up with your, build you a WordPress blog for even cheaper than that, I'm sure, or you could build it yourself easily. But that's, that's the exciting, uh, that's the exciting thing about this is we didn't, we didn't know how we were going to make money, but we were, again, 22 years old. And so we had our side hustles and we, okay, so we grew our own personal brands and our site, and opportunities started to come our way. People saw, hey, how did you build community around your blog? How did you get eyeballs to your site? How did you figure out search engine optimization? How do we use these social media tools? And that stuff was all really pretty cool in 2008. Uh, we were definitely <laughs> ahead of the curve. Now everybody and their mother is a social media consultant, and it's very saturated. But uh, yeah, that's how we first started making money is we would bring on clients and do consulting. And then when the site got to the point where it could support ad traffic and we had a nice email list and we could sell things to, uh, that were helpful to business owners, then of course we, we started to dive into affiliate marketing and create other streams of revenue. Yeah, and that's really where it became like the true media platform because you have the ad revenue and, and essentially sponsors of your of your content. Exactly. Yeah. So this then leads into the sort of I'd call it the game changer for our generation now, at least in the travel space, under 30 experiences. I know you've talked about it before on the show, but not everyone has listened to your past episodes, although I recommend they do go back and listen to your past episodes here. Um, can you give the sort of quick backstory on how Under 30 Experiences comes about, your, 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 the chain to the desk story? <laughs> sure. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we actually skipped a quick landscaping story in there, and I oh, want yeah, to pepper, pepper that in because uh, this was kind of the the come to Jesus moment. And uh, I'm not a religious person, but uh, it was still a come to Jesus moment because uh, it was 2008 and it was a uh, obviously a very difficult time. People were not getting jobs and we were desperately trying to figure out how to make money. Um, we, my mom was in real estate and her business totally crumbled at that time. And so we had to move from the house where we were living, the house where I grew up in, grew up in into a 
uh, small apartment together. And she kind of came to me to let me know that was, she was happening. And she's like, so how about this uh, website you're, you're building? How's, how's that going? Now, she didn't say it like that whatsoever. Like that she's, family guy, Stewie Griffin, working on the novel thing? It, are, you, uh, are you coming on that novel there? <laughs> yeah, basically. Or that's what it felt like, although she was a lot more, uh, a lot more kind about it. And... <laughs> I realized that shit, I need to get a real job and help pay some of these bills. I can't just float off of mom uh, at this stage in the game. And so when I Craigslist found the first job that I could find and it was for $15 an hour, it was a driver and I thought, all right, I'll be wheeling and dealing. I had my first generation iPhone and uh, you know, I'll be able to work from on the road, I'll drive around and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Turns out it was for a landscaping crew and the driving job was for a dump truck with an 18-foot trailer and a crew of Mexican migrant workers. And the first day in the job when I sat on the truck, the foreman was like, you know, the only way to earn these guys respect is if you get out there and start working with them. And so they, these guys worked me over back-breaking like, you know, 22-year-old little gringo out there. I definitely earned my stripes and then came home every night and moonlit the business and uh, hustled to get this off the ground. So I say that because I had that, you do that for enough months in a cold winter in Poughkeepsie, New York, you're like, how the hell are we going to make money? We need to figure something out fast. You know, our original ideas were like, oh, let's help people start websites and buy their domain names and... uh, you know, earn $3 a pop on GoDaddy and that just uh, through affiliate marketing and that just wasn't going to pay the bills. Yeah. So Let me actually, can I just cut you sure, off for sure, a second? Sure, I, Cause sure. I want to, I want to emphasize something that you just, you spoke about there. So this is something that I always have to check myself on and I hope other founders do as well is, you know, we're, we're building our different businesses, our companies, empires, whatever. And there are days that are hard right? There are days that are good, but there are a lot of days that are hard. However, what we are doing, like me building a business right now, is not the same as hard work. What you did, physical manual labor is backbreaking labor is hard work. Like being on like a rice paddy and picking rice, like that's hard work. And I think that's something that probably gives you like, you know, literally and metaphorically a good, a nice backbone. But it's something that it creates discipline. And on top of that, it's a good sort of like gut check that as like bad as things get with the, you know, actually all the technology companies that we're all out there building now, it is not, it might be a hard day, but it is not the same as hard work. I agree. I agree. And I, because I have a, I guess I could say a background in physical manual labor. I know I can always go back to that. Right. (laughs) Or if, uh, I don't know. One of the things I love living here in, in Costa Rica, where I'm talking to you from today, I know that if I needed to buy a piece of property, uh, I, if I needed to buy a farm one day with the world came to an end and just grow my own food and uh, be there forever in the jungle, I could probably get away with that. And so having those base skills, I remember those hard days. And I don't know, mentally, to be honest... I think that this is another topic, but I think that possibly the mental game uh, or, or working yourself mentally is a lot more difficult than working yourself 
physically, and that means no disrespect to anybody who works hard out there physically. Uh, I really have a lot of spec respect for people who work hard uh, and are laborers, but a lot of times the mental stuff can be more difficult, in my opinion. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's sort of like how do you want to interpret what is hard, what is difficult, right? But at the end of the day, I think if some if you gave someone who is doing a physical hard manual labor and said you could do this or you could sit at a computer and do work uh oh hell yeah what do you what do you what do you think is easier i think they'd say oh because sitting at the computer sounds a little bit easier of course now to get back to sort of where you were headed with the story so you're kicking around ideas you're like okay maybe we can help people start up websites or whatever uh you're kicking around these ideas go ahead we need high price items we're trying to sell people like GoDaddy and uh, yeah, we're trying to sell people like GoDaddy domain names where they buy their domain name for $9 and we get 90 cents and there just wasn't enough volume in that. And yeah, we tried to do a lot of other things selling people. Uh, yeah, we tried to sell a lot of different tools for entrepreneurs, but we didn't have the product that was really going to pay the bills and we eventually built the volume, right? Once we got to a half a million users and we had some big clients, corporate clients that we were pushing on our, our site and sponsored, sponsored articles and all that, that was great, right? We were able to build under 30 CEO into a six-figure business, but it was a lot of hard work. Okay, there's that word again. A lot of hard, <laughs> it was a lot of hard work, right? But the, the, the prices of the things that we were selling were not high enough. So that's when you see these media companies getting into conferences and retreats and high ticket coaching and seminars. Mm. Yeah, of course, they're trying to sell you things that, that cost a lot of money. And honestly, that when the retreat idea came about, we're fast forwarding a little bit, it was, it was a lot more viable to us because we knew that we could make a little bit more than 90 cents uh, at a time, right? <laughs> and and you can also lose a lot more, don't get me wrong, and we did at the beginning of Under 30 Experiences. Yeah, and and sort of, it starts to grow, I don't, even, I don't necessarily want to say like super quickly, but it grows very, I think you'll appreciate this word, mindfully. Um, you know, today, Under 30 Experiences does how many trips a year? Oof. 250 trips, 300 trips, maybe. So that's almost every day of the year you're, you have a trip going. And starting. the way you stagger starting. the schedule. Yeah. Can I say it again? S starting, right? There's 50 weeks in the year. So right now we have probably f we have five trips running. We have uh, one to Costa Rica. We have two going to Peru right now. We have one going to Iceland right now. We have one going through France and Spain right now. We have one in Italy right now. That's at least five. We have France starting on Sunday. That's six. So yeah, we got we got trips running. It, it was yeah. not always like this. It started with one trip. Right, and that's a, right. See, that's where we're at today is two hundred ish trips. But back in was it like two thousand twelve? It was. Can I just get like a handful of people to go on this trip to Iceland? Right. Yes, and that almost did not happen. So talk us through how, so you, you decide like retreats might be a good idea. So then how are you like, okay, let's figure out this travel thing? Okay, so the, the real story is that I was working 
Okay, remember when I said that we started to do consulting? That's when Zarli approached me. That's when I was open to having opportunities where I would join a team and help them roll out a brand. They had all this venture capital. Uh, they had a really interesting product, a lot of cre credibility. It was a startup weekend company. It looked good. So I'm working. So I'm working there. Plus, we have under 30 CEO going, and we're, we're really building the audience on that. So things are starting to, it's like the peak of my uh, New York, my life in New York, I would say. And I got a random email from a blog contributor that asked if I would like to come to Iceland to be their ambassador of climate change and blog about the experience to see how climate change was affecting young entrepreneurs businesses and I knew nothing about climate change nor honestly did I care about climate change or was it anything within my wheelhouse but then I saw all of the things that they were offering in fact a trip to Iceland and going to the glaciers and the volcanoes and the waterfalls and uh, I mean, I skied on peaks that had never been skied before, and it was just an insane trip, and it was free. And so I, <laughs> I, I, was, I just had that life-changing moment, literally standing on a glacier, and uh, I was with this Icelandic mountain guide. His name is Siggy. We still work with Siggy today. Uh, our our uh, travelers in Iceland are in his hands, actually, as we speak, and... He just wanted to light up a cigar and uh, drink a scotch on top of this amazing glacier looking out at the volcano that erupted in 2010, Eyjafjallajökull, that stopped all the air traffic between North America and Europe. And I was like, holy shit, what am I doing with my life? Why am I grinding it out be behind a computer? Um, and why is the rest of our generation stuck behind their computers? I want to do this more for myself, but I would also like to pay forward this life-changing travel experience to other people. And that's when Under 30 Experiences started. And so we started kicking around ideas. Hey, how can Wasigi and I, how can we bring some more people to Iceland? Because he was a young guy, 25 years old at the time, trying to grow his business in Iceland. And uh, that's when I went back, talked to Jared, my co-founder of Under 30 CEO, and I said, why don't we try to do a retreat to Iceland? We partnered with the Startup Iceland Conference, and we're invite we got invited by the president of Iceland to bring our group of young entrepreneurs to his home and meet with him to talk about entrepreneurship and startups. And so uh, it wasn't like... I say it like, oh, it was a big-ticket item, and yeah, sure, of course, that was the realization but it was also that we need to go and we need to we need to do this because life is short and this is a, a pretty cool opportunity regardless yeah and you know as this thing grows over the next couple of years you know my first encounter with it i would say i think it was 2013 is when i, I stumbled onto under 30 ceo started mm -hmm. reading the articles and i didn't know you yet at this point and then you were actually leveraging the traffic to under 30 CEO and and like redirecting it almost to under 30 experiences because the way I found out about and for just shorthand now we'll call it U30X is on U30 CEO there was a little thing on the side of the page that said hey do you want to travel 
And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I click on it and then it takes me to the U30X page and it shows me at that time there were three offerings. There was Costa Rica, Iceland, Nicaragua. Actually, there was four, Nicaragua and Alaska. And I remember like, I, I, look, I read the thing and, and actually originally, if I recall, it was positioned more towards entrepreneurial types, right? That, that's right, because our main source of lead generation was from under 30 CEO. Under 30 CEO, had, we had all our clients and then we slowly started bu buying our own ad space and dedicating our own resources to try to grow this side business. And then, so I end up taking a trip to Costa Rica. I think that was 20, was 2014 or 2015, uh, 2014, January, 2014. That's where I meet you because you're actually the trip leader for all the trips at that point. So you're the, you're the co-founder CEO of this company. You still have under 30 CEO running in the background and you're traveling around the world. Uh, well, I guess around Central America and, and, and Iceland at that point. How are you doing all this at once? <laughs> so uh, how was I doing this all at once? Not, okay, I don't want to say not very well, but as best as I could pull off. So I was obviously stretched thin, and this definitely put a, a strain on my uh, relationship with my co-founder, Jared, at the time, because it eventually came to... Uh, all right, look, I got back from Iceland. We had our first trip, but I'm packing up my expensive ass apartment in New York and I'm putting all my things in a backpack and I'm going to go and travel. And so I went down to Costa Rica and went up to Nicaragua. Uh, I ended up going to Indonesia for two months. So, uh, you know, with the stop in Dubai and uh, just started really, really traveling hardcore and living the life of a digital Nomad, uh, also before it was played out. But um, that, was, that, was, that was like, those were the early days. And so then Jared started to take over under 30 CEO. I started taking over under 30 experiences. It just suited both of our personalities uh, and what we wanted at that point in our life. And uh, so he started running one, I started running the other, and we were moving very, very quickly. Uh, and I was scouting out new places to bring people for under 30 experiences. And also I have, you know, I have the, the background in the, the uh, outdoors from upstate New York. And, uh, you know, I was in the Boy Scouts all my life and grew up camping and skiing and hiking and all that kind of stuff. And so I had the trip leader skills. I had my three and a half years of high school Spanish uh, <laughs> that, I, that I hacked together quickly. And so that, that became the start of it. And so trip, leading trips, and then when I wasn't leading trips, <laughs> working as hard as I could on blog content, on marketing, on, so, you know, on social media, spreading the word about under 30 experiences, um, pitching the press. Those were all things that I, I did uh, from my laptop, just traveling around the world. Yeah. And, and again, come back to the idea of like the mindful growth. You know, it was one trip, then it was four trips. Then I think in 2015, you had like 14 trips, something like that. I might be getting the timeline wrong. And then by sure. 2016, it was up to like 50. And then last year, 100 something. And now you're this year, 2018, you're at around 200, which is, again, it, it's really when you think about it, it doesn't sound like that's over four years or so, five years maybe, which 
it's actually not that much time. Like it does grow pretty fast. It's just that one year at a time, you're adding a bunch of new things, a bunch of new trips on. And now when we let's kind of get into like our our topic conversation a bit more here around this idea of building community and 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 having your customers be your community members. I'll sort of tell you like my first experience with U30X and then I'll kind of like let you take it from there and sort of give your insight into why we did it this way. Um, what I noticed off the bat when I went to the U30X site and I said, okay, Costa Rica looks interesting. Originally, you had to actually apply and be interviewed. And you talk to someone on the phone then who explains here's what the trip is like to make sure you're essentially like a decent human being. Now, the person who's interviewing me at the time was Liz Flores, someone who's one of my good friends now, one of your good friends now, but how, but, but like you as the founder, co-founder did not do that interview. How does Liz come into the picture here? Cause this is a key point. I want every uh, founder who's listening to this to, to take note of because you used a community member, right? Yes, that's a good point. Um, so I guess Liz was a one of our community managers. So people would come on our trips. Um, and, and also just to back up, I know it sounds like mindful growth. And uh, as as Raj has alluded to, I'm into mindfulness and yoga and meditation <laughs> like he, he is. And of course, this all started after I began traveling and, and uh started under 30 experiences and my mind was opened up to new ideas but it was also really insane growth like it has grown really fast and uh seems seems quite overwhelming when you look at it, it now it's not a you know groupon or a uber or a whatever you guys call them in the startup world the unicorns uh, <laughs> but it has it's been, but it's logistically a, a shit time to manage. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, just, so to point that out, um, once we started having a few trips, we'd have reunions. We've had we'd have meetups when we'd have a few travelers that were all in Chicago, Chicago together. We'd appoint someone to be the community manager because they loved it so much, and yeah, they wanted to do what they did on the trip, uh, their trip to wherever they wanted to bring a little bit back to their community and have good people to hang out with and be able to connect and have good conversations and do outdoor activities and um, yeah, and, and meet them. And, and in the early days, it was entrepreneurially focused. And so, yeah, Liz was our community manager in Chicago. She is someone who joined a trip because her college professor told her about under30ceo.com. She joined a trip on under 30 experiences because it was kind of the, the next step. Like she had been a blog reader for a very, very long time. And she said, well, yeah, finally, I want to meet these guys and get more involved in the community. And she ended up coming uh, on our trip, loved it, wanted to get more involved, approached us about a job. And so that's how Liz came into, into the picture. And her job was to go into her community and tell people about under 30 experiences, um, host meetups, etc. And uh, yeah, I'm glad she interviewed you, and uh, I'm glad she, I'm, I'm glad you were accepted. Yeah, yeah. Well, we never would have met otherwise. Exactly. Uh, so, I, what I hear when you talk about that is, this is like a literal example of a customer, someone who bought a trip and experienced a trip with your company. Set, came back and said, how can I get more involved? 
And then you appointed her as Chicago area community manager. And then more and more people were asking you this question, how can I get more involved? And you were saying, well, we have this community manager program. And before you know it, there's these local hubs around the country. And I think now even like there's one in Paris or, or somewhere internationally, I think in France, right? Sure, sure. And Leo. Right. And, um, and this is a clear example of getting people to like allowing them to be more involved with your brand and with your overall like ethos and mission and why beyond just that purchase. And this is something that especially in the tech world gets so overlooked because you're so hyper-focused on customer acquisition, customer retention, monthly recurring revenue that you, you disregard a lot of the like little touches you can add to a person's experience when they interact with you. And when you have people who are, when you're able to essentially create ambassadors all around the country, you're allowing your brand to grow more organically. And you talk about these meetups, right? And these local community events. Those are actually things, they make zero money for the company. And in fact, they may actually cost the company a few dollars because you have to like host the meetup, like pay for meetup.com, uh, maybe like, you know, host the Eventbrite account, whatever that might be. And it's it's taking a longer term look to it, though, right? Because you know that the person who comes to the meetup today might hear, you know, m- might be interested in traveling next month or in two years. But you're essentially able to get them involved in this is our belief about the world. This is what we want for people like you. So at the very least, just come have a beer with us. No, and that, those are our marketing dollars that we spend there. We hardly spend any money on advertising, but we, we always say, let's reinvest in the community. Every time we try to do something new and oh, let's, let's hire this travel blogger and uh, have them come on our trip and write about it for his or her audience or yeah, let's, uh, we were pumping a couple thousand dollars a month into Google ads or all these types of things. They never work as well as investing back into our community because our trips honestly blow people's minds because they change people's lives because people have, have the time of their life. Uh, even if their life was not changed, then then it's then they want to stay involved with what we do and they want to tell their friends about it. I mean, it's the most exciting thing that they do all year. It's a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing to go on uh, and visit these places. So to come on a trip with us and then want to tell your all, all your friends, it's very natural. It's not like buying a toothbrush or a, piece, a pair of yoga pants, right? Like you see all these ambassadors... Uh, pushing their yoga pants and trying to get people to, to sign or to, to buy them or whatever. But it's, it's not, it, I mean, this is a huge big ticket item and it, it's very easy in that regard. And it's, but it's people focused. It's like, Hey, let's get awesome people together. We know you're probably bored at home. Uh, after work, let's try to change your perspective on how you see the world. Yeah. And, and it's really like what you're talking about here is it's, it's having a good customer experience. Like that's step one, I think, because, you know, something I often think about with anything someone's building is how do you make, and I, I may have heard this quote from someone else. I don't remember. Um, how do you make something so 
good, memorable, irresistible, whatever, that the person can't go to sleep without telling someone else about it. And that's really what these trips are like, right? It is you get home and the first and or maybe while you're still on the trip because you're, you know, you might have Wi-Fi connection. You can't wait to tell your friend or friends about it. So it's having a really good customer experience out of the gate that gives people without even having to tell them, hey, refer a friend and get they're just automatically they, they can't sleep until they tell someone else about it. I, I appreciate that. And I think that you were an amazing case study for that because you've been such a great ambassador formally and informally, mainly informally for yeah. the brand and still, I don't know, four years probably after your first Costa Rica trip, we're still creating content around it and doing media and, uh, you know, we've become good friends and you've told a ton of people about under 30 experiences. Yeah. And cause it was, it was a transformative experience for me and for everyone listening, I've, I've now gone on three trips, uh, Costa Rica, Belize, and then earlier in January, Tulum. And you know, when we, I, I think another key aspect here, and, and, and I, I say these things because from afar, like literally, cause you're in Costa Rica, <laughs> I observe the things that your company does and I take mental note of them. And I say, how do I incorporate that? Or how do I give that advice to someone else? And what I noticed you guys have done so well, and it's, it's whether it was intentional or not, we talked about at the start, people had to interview to be part of the program, right? Be part of a trip. Now, obviously at 200 trips, you, you'd, you'd have to hire an outsourced customer service team to be able to do all those interviews. Yes. But you were looking for a specific type of person at the start. And I mean that in the sense of like, we want open-minded people. We want ambitious, driven people to be part of our community. So because you were doing these interviews at the start when it was still only a handful of trips, naturally the people who like, we can't go to sleep without telling our friends, most likely our friends are other open-minded, driven, ambitious people. So sort of like organically, the community then grows and you can stop doing the interviews but the people that are being referred more or less are also of that same mindset. They're more of the type of people you want on your trip. So now without having to do interviews when it's 200 trips a year, you're essentially naturally getting the type of traveler you want. And then on top of that, you've also out of the gate been very forthright with like in your messaging, like no douchebags, no divas. Right. If you're going to cause, you know, if you're going to be a headache, we don't want you on our trip. We want people who are accepting, et cetera. So those are like tactically the things I see you guys have done really well. And was that a was that an intentional decision to say, hey, if we want it to grow to this with these kinds of people, we've got to start in this method with these interviews? You know, it sounds really good at the moment. <laughs> uh, and that is you definitely are spot on about the strategy on how it played out. But I don't think it, it wasn't that far thought out. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, when you go to that amazing eco lodge in, in Costa Rica, Rancho Margat, and uh, you look at the place and you're like, this place is amazing. It was so well thought out. And the owner kind of smiles and says, oh, yeah, if you only really knew. <laughs> uh, it's the same. It's the same kind of thing. But you're absolutely right. We wanted the right type of people because we were scared. We didn't want to go on vacation with someone who we might not have. 
uh, really liked so much or who was going to be a diva, ego, or complainer, as it probably still says somewhere on our website. Um, But we just were really... We were really lucky to build our tribe, if you will, of of the right types of people who are coming, looking for this trip for the right reasons. And also it's interesting that uh, no matter who people are in their personal uh, in their personal life or their life at home, when they come on one of our trips, uh, psychologically, it's their time where they can reset and it's their time where they can they're solo travelers, right? Some people come with friends, but mainly you can be, if you come alone, you can be whomever you want on that trip. Nobody knows you. Drop all that, uh, you know, drop your ego, leave your ego at the door, and everyone is pretty much cool. Sure, sure once in a while you get someone who's like, ah, oh, this guy's on our trip, but we don't get guys who are coming solely for the purpose of thinking it's spring break to hook up with chicks, right? Mm-hmm. Or... Like we don't get a, much of that kind of stuff at all because we create a community where it's uh, where it's obvious that this is a safe place to travel, and we're all here for the right reasons. And we talk about sustainability a little bit on our trips. We talk about um, important topics uh, that you begin to understand while you're traveling and it's not just a party trip or a hookup trip or oh my god is this a solo trip or is this a single trip which mm-hmm. the answers to those are all clear no's but we never have to say that it's just the vibe that we get, give off i guess yeah and, and I, I think it comes back to knowing what you're trying to create in terms of like the feel and and the experience and then making decisions almost inherently that align with that, which which is something that, especially in the startup world, it, that stuff can get away from you. When, it, when you're working with technology, it can be easy to let the technology drive the decision-making instead of the why or the mission drive the decision-making. I, I, really, I really like what you said, and I just wanted to add, when you talk about organic growth, and this and, and this said, is like true organic growth here. Yes, you you <laughs> called it mindful growth, and it didn't quite resonate with me. But when we always talk about organic growth, and it it has evolved at an insane speed, in my opinion. But we're like driving a really nice F one fifty right now, and it's a great truck, and we built it's well built, and it's chugging away down the road, and nothing can stop it, right? But if you're driving a Ferrari, like some of these tech companies, one small slip up, one small messaging error, when you're going that fast, you're done. You lose sight, you lose your values. All of a sudden you're, you know, you're hanging out the window like Jay-Z smoking re- weed and <laughs> drinking. Jay-Z cognac. does not smoke weed, actually. He's okay. very he's very forthright about that. I, I didn't Little Wayne. Let's go with that. Little Wayne. <laughs> you you look like little Wayne and yeah, you're gonna you're probably gonna screw up. Can I yeah. swear? Can I call it fuck up? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Come on. You're the third time on the show. You don't I know. I just if did. I forgot. <laughs> um, yeah. Organic growth. And not just because you're eating a lot of organic foods on the trip themselves. Um, another thing, too, is and I, I touched on this earlier, but you have been willing to, as the co-founder and CEO, get your hands dirty in the sense like actually literally, but also, uh, again, metaphorically, in the sense that 
the first handful of trips, you were the trip leader and you kind of had to oversee what is the customer experience like on these trips. So that way, when I step away as trip leader, I know the experience that still needs to be maintained. Um, you were showing up at the meetups when you could, right? When it was uh, in your local area. You are, you've been hosting the Live Different podcast for the last three-ish years, uh, where you're always able to promote under 30 experiences on the podcast. So these are things that I think, it, you talked about how with your travelers, you want them to check their egos at the door. But I think as a CEO, this is you checking your own ego at the door. And I know out of circumstance, you had to be the one leading the trips because you couldn't just pay some random person at the start. But I think when we think about different types of um, founders building their companies now, there is an ego element where you're like, where people are like, oh, I'm the CEO, I'm the founder. That type of work should be, is, lo- is beneath me. And I don't get the sense that you've, like, I feel like everything that is, that you've been able to scale now, processes wise, experience wise, et cetera, is because you had a hand in it at the start because you didn't think about, oh, this is beneath me. No, I, I really appreciate that observation. And uh, as hopefully your, hopefully your listeners uh, picked up on us, we had very humble beginnings. And it was two guys on the top of a, a glacier in Iceland saying, yeah, we should try to get some people together. And that trip almost failed. That trip almost never run, ran. Uh, we pulled that trip off by the skin of our teeth, begged and pleaded for people to come on this trip. And we know what the we know what that's like. We were broke when we we started this. I mean, broke to a point. There were a lot of broke points in the uh, <laughs> in, in this, right? So, seeing that and seeing the business form out of necessity, and yeah, I was the the uh, first trip leader for the first few trips, but almost the first a hundred trips, probably your first fifty at least. So I was staffing every trip and I had extreme control over how everything was going to be delivered and uh, you talk about customer experience and honestly, I just made sure everybody had an amazing, amazing time. Every time we check into a new hotel, still to this day, I train our trip leaders to go around and ask everybody how their beds look. How are the, You guys got enough sheets and towels? You guys all, all good in there? Are you connected to the, to the Wi-Fi or are not connected to the Wi-Fi? Um, you know, just making sure or, or you're sitting at a dinner, look around. This is not about, hey, I'm going to eat my food first here because I think that I'm entitled to it. No, I, I'm always the last one to eat. I'm always making sure that everybody's enjoying themselves, that everybody has what they need, that their dietary restrictions are taken care of. And so it's, it's about our travelers at all times and otherwise this never would have gotten off the ground so what we really try to to make sure and still today i uh, when we have groups in costa rica almost every week i try to go and have dinner with them on thursdays or saturdays they have yoga i try to practice them and my girlfriend teaches them so uh, or I try to hop on 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 hikes on the weekend even though i've done those same hikes hundreds of times at this point I want to go and talk to the travelers, and, and that's an opportunity for me to not only in, inspect what's going on with our trip leaders and our vendors, but it's also a huge opportunity for me to be able to get to know 
the travelers. I'm not exactly Richard Branson flying economy on Virgin Airlines here, but it's still an opportunity for me to be able to go and make some new friends and see what our travelers are saying. And I have a blast doing it. I love it. Yeah. And it's, it's funny as you were saying that you're like, I'm not going to eat my dinner first. This is literally the title of Simon Sinek's book on leadership. Leaders eat last. <laughs> okay. Glad to hear. Um, I have one other question here before we start to wrap up. And this is, this might be a challenging question. So if you need a second to think about it, that's cool. Um, Everything we've been talking about so far related to under 30 experiences, someone listening could say, well, this is so much easier because it's a travel company and there's like a physical experience you're having and like no duh, people would want to tell their friends about a cool trip they went on. Can you respond to that? And like specifically speaking to someone who let's say they're building a technology company, how can these principles be applied to them? And, and, and why is it not fair to just say, oh, it's just travel? It's, that's a good question. Um, okay, first thing that comes to my mind is you have to care about your customers, right? If you want them to come back, then you should really be doing something that you are passionate about. And if, if not, then you're probably in the wrong business. If you don't care enough to text your customers late at night and make sure that they're happy with what you're doing, then, you know, it's not just about, oh, it was an expensive trip and I want to make sure they don't write us a bad review. It's about really making sure that they're, they're getting value out of what you're selling them and that they know you care. If you're trying to build community, that means that they want to be part of something that you're doing. So, if you don't care enough to check up on them all the time and express your passion for what they're doing and your concern for who they are as people, right? It might be technology, but it's got to be about people. Technology is just another way to reach a lot of people and community is a way to bring people together. So if you're talking about a tech community. This is using technology to bring people together uh, around a common good. And But if you don't have a common good, then uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It might not be. It might not be. Community might not be for you. And I don't want everybody listening to this to think that their app out there or their startup idea or whatever they're working on is going to have community because it might not. But if if you're doing it right, I would say it should. I hope that makes mm -hmm. some sense. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, another, I, I meant to say it earlier when you were talking about sort of like the, the willing to go the extra step with, with interacting with customers too. Uh, like you mentioned, your trip leader is like, hey, do you have, your, you have enough sheets, hot shower, et cetera. Um, something I remember when I took the Belize trip was the group on day one or day two was largely disappointed in the hotel's breakfast offering. Sure. And you and Courtney at the time, who was the other trip leader, um, you guys just made a decision to say, hey, guys, we're going to take you somewhere else for breakfast and it's on us. Like, don't worry about having to pay more. That's a decision where the short-sighted person could be like, well, that's going to cut into our margins on this trip. But you're thinking of it from a standpoint of, but how do I make this the best experience for them? 
Exactly. And if you just look at the case studies of the people who were on that trip, I mean, almost 70% of our travelers come back for a second trip. That's insane. And these and are, I've come back for a third. Yeah, you've come <laughs> back for a third and you've told, I don't know, 20 plus, you've had 20 plus people probably uh, end up coming on our trips through you in some way, shape or form. And uh, yeah, it's because we, because probably because we splurged on that, uh, on that extra breakfast in Belize. <laughs> uh, that's, but that's, you know, that's, that's just one little example of how we just try to do the right thing. Yeah. So to, to wind this thing down, bring it home, can you let our listeners know where they can learn more about you, U30X, the podcast? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you like the podcast, you can listen to Maybe two or three episodes with Raj on the Live We've Different. We've done three. I think we've done three. The Live Different podcast. Uh, that's on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you want to go. Under30experiences.com, though, if you want to get involved in our community, you can click community and find any major city in the United States. We probably have something going on, so that's really cool. And I still want to reach uh, i want people to reach out to me after this and if i can help them out in any way i would love to read your email or get your instagram message matt at under 30 experiences.com or matt wilson tv across the social networks and uh yeah that's that's what i want to do i want to build community with you guys and bear in mind here everybody matt literally just said I would like you to email me. So if there's any hesitation around like, ooh, like maybe he doesn't want to be bothered, he actually just said, please, I want to talk to you about this stuff. I would be sad um, if I don't get an email from one of your podcast listeners. <laughs> now, to, to wrap up, as we've wrapped up every episode over the past hundred something, we will give what we believe our answer is, our sort of our, our take-home answer to the topic question for today. And I'll go first, then Matt, I'll let you close it out. So the, the question was, how do you turn customers into community members? Now, I've got a few nuggets here that I pulled from the conversation. Number one, the first thing is make sure you're providing a good customer experience. If that's not there, then there's nothing that someone wants to be part of beyond just the transaction. Number two, can you incorporate the people early on who are part of your, you know, your clientele, your experience, whatever, in a larger way? Like you said, the guy you were smoking a cigar on the top of the mountain or looking at the mountain or the, uh, the volcano with, he's now like, and that was before you were running any trips. He's now, you're still your Iceland trip, your Iceland trip leader. So who are the key people early on? who can become part of this thing as it grows, because they're going to want to help you build the empire too. And then that goes to the community manager aspect that you've built with U30X. And sort of the third thing here is, and this is actually a challenge I'm gonna pose to all the listeners, because I think it's something that, that your company has done very well, Matt, is ask yourself, how can my customers interact with my company when they are not purchasing something or directly using the product? How else can they interact with my brand? Matt, top line takeaways for how do you turn customers into community members? I really like what you said at the end there about other ways in which they can interact uh, because it goes back to what I was explaining 
that you don't have to buy a trip to be part of our community. If you just want to come to a meetup and uh, meet us in Austin, Texas, and go to, uh, we went caving last month in Austin, Texas. It was really cool. It costs everybody $18 to enter the cave and go have lunch, I think. If you want to just come and do that and meet some interesting people, then, then come do that. You don't need to go on a trip uh, to Costa Rica that costs $995 or something. So giving people other ways in which they can interact, right? We have this entire layer that you might not know about in under 30 experiences unless you are part of it uh, when it comes to personal development. So we also have yoga trips. We also have fitness trips. We also have several Facebook groups where people are talking about the challenges that they have, uh, whether it comes to travel or whether it comes to their health and wellness, where they have a, again, they have a community of people around them who are saying, hey guys, I just quit my job. I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of, of starting van, hashtag van life, right? All <laughs> these people that are moving into their vans. And we have people like that in our community who are just traveling around create, you know, creating social media content, taking some months off and they're going on tours and meeting under other under 30 experienced members. Um, or they're organizing their own trips like, like you guys did to go out to Lake Tahoe, or, uh, they are finding trout They're They're finding, uh, workout partners or there's a Fitbit group. There's a book club. None of this has anything to do with really with traveling per se with hey i'm trying to sell you a trip to spain here it is here's what you can consume and then that's it no we're we're all young travelers we're all at a certain stage in our life and we need other people to interact with on that same level and that's very difficult to do in the 21st century in our modern day and age in our home cities so let's create other ways in which people can interact with the brand. Um, and that's what we've been able to, to do. So, so yeah, I, I really think that that is, is key, that last one that, that you mentioned. And uh, then people don't feel like you're just trying to sell them something. They, we're always talking about how can people be part of what we're doing rather than buy into what we're doing because nobody mm. wants to be sold. Yeah. And then, my God, as you were saying those examples, I can't believe we didn't even touch on the fact that everyone who goes on a trip becomes part of this alumni Facebook group afterwards. So you're still always interacting with one another, uh, with other travelers from different trips, with your own trip. There's also those city based uh, Facebook groups as well. And then you're, you're letting people create within themselves, almost like independent of of what things that you have to manage. Right. Like there's like a People started a U30X book club. Uh, you, you know, two, three years ago, myself and 10 or 11 other people decided to just within the U30X Facebook group, organize a Lake Tahoe Labor Day weekend getaway. And it was almost like we created like our, our own U30X trip, but you didn't like step in and be like, hey, we have to brand this and we have to like, whoa, guys, you can't do this independent of us. You just let it happen naturally because it's, it's important at the end of the day that you provide a platform for people to have good experiences, not provide a platform of transactions and purchases. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Listeners, if you have been a listener for a while, you probably know my own personal story, my hero's journey, if you will, about quitting my life in New York, living on Wall Street, being stressed out, not taking care of myself, and going on an epic quest to Iceland that completely changed the course of my life. And you've probably heard about our travel company for young people ages 21 to 35, under 30 experiences. Now, this is not a commercial for under 30 experiences. However, I want to share with you the magic of what travel has done for me. You guys have heard me talk about this on different podcasts, speaking all over the world about this and sharing what I learned about myself and about the world with other people, uh, but mainly focused inwardly when I traveled to be able to gain experiences, to be able to you know, really just experience new things that gave me a completely different perspective and propelled me to start taking care of myself mentally, physically, and spiritually, something that I really had never considered before. So, If you are interested, ongoing, on your own epic quest, I would love to get to know you better this fall in Bali, Indonesia, September 30th, on our yoga and mindfulness retreats. If you have never practiced yoga in your entire life, if you don't know what mindfulness is whatsoever, I really don't care. I think you should come anyway and come to the rice paddies of a, a magical place in Indonesia, Villa Awang Awang, where we're going to give you a real cultural experience with our partners there on the ground, seeing what it's actually life, like to, to be part of a community uh, there in the Balinese village where we're going to stay. Yes, we're going to practice yoga, eat as healthy as we can, get to know one another and just have an amazing experience and see what comes out of it. So if you want to be part of this, I suggest you check out under30experiences.com and click the link to the yoga retreat on Bali. If you have heard the previous podcast with Luz Garcia, our amazing yoga teacher, She's going to be there. She has over 1,500 hours of yoga teacher training. And I'd really love the opportunity to get to know you, to get to hear your story, and uh, share a week with you in someplace amazing. So if you, want to t- if you want to commit to changing your life for the better, come join us this fall in Bali.